The Bible reading can be found on page three in our Bibles. I can't find it here for myself. Oh, here it is. It's on page four for me. I, I, I need your help. I've come down with the wrong piece of paper. Okay. One to twenty-five. Thank you. It is right here. Thank you. Sorry about this. It's beginning at the first verse and chapter 1 and continuing to verse 25. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said... Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vaults of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God sent them in the vaults of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. 
And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vaults of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely uh, to see you here this morning. My name is Tom, uh, and a special welcome if you're new or visiting with us this morning. It's wonderful to have you and hope it's the first of many times you can join us here on a Sunday. Let's pray as we come to uh, reflect on God's word. Loving Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. You're a God who speaks life, who spoke life at creation and who speaks life today. Father, we pray that this morning you would soften our hearts and give us ears to hear that you would speak life into our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, the question that we're asking this morning is, what should the world look like? Uh, I think pretty much everyone here, I think everyone would agree that the world is not the way that it should be at the moment. Just a brief look at the news uh, we'll tell you that, won't you? You look at the, the bushfires going on in Australia, the, the tension happening uh, in the Middle East at the moment, even Harry and Megan here in the UK. You know, things aren't the way they're meant to be, are they? I think we can all agree on that, but I think what we would disagree on is what's wrong with the world. And we might disagree on what the world should look like. That's kind of the big question we have, isn't it? We know things aren't right at the moment. We know things aren't the way that they should be. Well, what should things look like then? What should the world look like? And that's the question we're asking uh, this morning. Uh, Let me show you a a present I got for Christmas. Uh, My wife got me this beautiful uh, jigsaw puzzle. Isn't that nice? Uh, I love doing jigsaw puzzles. They're a lot of fun. And um, after Christmas, I got this out, spread it out on the table, started putting it together. I got the edges done, and then, you know, the kids got up. And uh, I'm pretty sure we've lost pieces now, so good luck finishing that off. But, uh, but I love jigsaw puzzles. And if you've ever done a jigsaw puzzle before, you know that the key to a jigsaw puzzle is the picture on the front, isn't it? If you want to be able to do the puzzle, you need to be able to see the picture on the front because the picture on the front shows you what it's meant to look like. All you have in front of you are just these sort of random pieces of little bits of colour and on its own, it's very difficult to understand what this is all meant to be. But if you look at the picture on the front, 
it suddenly makes sense and it helps you to put the pieces back together. Life can be a bit like a jigsaw puzzle, can't it? Kind of got all these different bits of life all, all kind of thrown out on the table there. And a lot of the time we don't know what we're doing. And we don't know how the different parts of life are meant to fit together. It can be all very confusing. Well, Genesis chapter 1 is a little bit like the picture on the front of the box of a jigsaw puzzle. It shows us what the world is meant to look like. It shows us what our life is meant to look like. And when we read Genesis 1, it's as if we're looking at that picture on the front of the box. And as we look at that picture, we then look at where we are now and we say, oh, well, we've really got that wrong, haven't we? But as we look at that picture, we can then start to say, oh, okay, this is the way things are meant to be. And we can start to move toward the way the world should look like, or even move toward the way our life should look like. And so that's what we're going to be thinking about as we look at Genesis 1 this morning. We're we're looking at that picture on the front of the box to see what the world should look like. And there are three main things that I want us to see from this passage, three things about God, actually. The first is that God is Lord. The second is that God is line drawer, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And the third is that God is life giver. First of all, God is Lord. Uh, If you've closed your Bibles, open them back up again. Have a look at that very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, already in that one verse, we are told a huge amount about God. First thing that we're told is that God existed before everything. In the beginning, before anything else existed, there was God. And to put it in another way, God is eternal. He always has been and he always will be. In other words, no one made God. We kind of stop asking this question when we're adults, but the number one question that kids always ask is, who made God? And the answer is, no one made God. There is no one above God. There is no one before God. There is no one that God comes from. God is above all because he is before all. He is eternal. But we don't just see that God is before everything. We also see that he made everything. He made the heavens and the earth. That is, he, he made the universe Every single thing, seen and unseen, material and spiritual, everything that exists has come from God. Light comes from God. Sky and land comes from God. The sun, the moon, the trees, the birds, even koalas come from God. Everything comes from God. Which again means that there is nothing outside of God's control, outside of God's power, outside of God's authority. Because Everything comes from him. He made everything. See, God is above all. He is before everything and he made everything and therefore he is above everything. And that means that God is our Lord. He is our king. And we are his subjects. We are his creatures. And we were made to worship him. And that's what we read in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God is worthy 
of our praise. He's worthy of our worship because he is Lord. But the sad thing is, is that the Bible tells us that we have rejected God as Lord. We've all said to God, I don't want to live your way. I'm going to live my own way instead. We've taken the crown off God's head and we've tried to put it on our own head. It's what the Bible calls sin. Uh, My wife and I have been uh, getting into some old episodes of Great British Bake Off, just trying to you know, continue our education in British culture. And so we, we've been watching this show and really enjoying it. But as we watch it, these really annoying Diet Coke ads keep popping up. I don't know if you've seen these Diet Coke ads on the TV at the moment. They're about all these people who, who you know, I'm going to be whatever I want to be. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And they've got this tagline in all these ads, you do you. I don't know if any of you have seen this. But anyway, I've just been watching this commercial and it's really really annoying you do you but when you think about that's really the tagline of our culture isn't it you do you now what is that saying i'm the lord of my life i'll call the shots i'll make the decisions there's no one that can tell me how to live my life no one that can tell me what i should be doing i'm in charge of course it sounds good until you see how it plays out in the world Because when you look at our world today, what a mess we've made of it. Why? Because we've said to God, you're not in charge anymore. I'm in charge. I'm going to do what I want. In the process, we make a mess of our world. We make a mess of our community. We make a mess of our own lives. In Genesis chapter 1, it takes us back to the beginning to show us the picture on the front of the box And to make us see that we've actually got it wrong. That we are not the Lord of our lives. God is. He was before everything. He created everything. He is above everything. He is our Lord. Well, if that's the first piece of the puzzle, God is Lord. The second is that God is line drawer. What do I mean by that? Something that my kids love doing is their colouring in books. In the afternoon, every so often, they'll get their colouring in books out and they'll sit at the dining room table with their texts and they'll just start colouring in. And I love colouring in books. I loved colouring in books as a kid. And the reason was, was that I was rubbish at drawing. Okay? I was a terrible drawer. I couldn't draw anything. But a good colouring in book was wonderful because the drawing was already done for you. Right? The lines were already drawn. And all you needed to do was just sort of colour in in between the lines and you could make this beautiful you know, Peppa Pig or Paw Patrol or so, some amazing creation. All you need to do is just colour in between the lines. The lines were already drawn for you. And in a way, when we read Genesis chapter 1, we see that that is what is happening here. God is drawing the lines in creation. And what I mean by that is, is he is ordering his creation. He is giving design and purpose and shape to his creation. God didn't just kind of throw down a random bunch of material onto the earth and say, all right, good luck, do whatever you want with that. No, there was clear purpose and design to everything in God's creation. And notice how it's set up. Um, 
What God creates on days one to three corresponds with what he creates on days four to six. And it's as though he's giving the outline on days one to three and and he's filling in the outline on days four to six. So he, he creates light on day one and fills it in with the stars, the moon and the sun on day four. He creates the sea and the sky on day two and he fills it in with sea creatures and with birds on day four. And he creates land and vegetation on day three, fills it in with animals to eat uh, these plants on on day six. And the purpose of all of this is is not to give us a clear scientific picture of how the world came to be. The purpose of this is to help us to see that God's creation is ordered. It is deliberate. It is purposeful. It is designed. It's interesting when you notice at the end uh, of each day we're told... Oh, sorry, sorry, before that, we're also told that things were created according to their kind. Did you notice that? Each thing was created according to its kind. And what that means is, is that when God made something, he made it in a particular way. He made it to look a particular way, to act a particular way. And he made it for a particular purpose. That's why we have whales and we have parrots and we have humans and we have you know, all different types of species, all created in a very particular way by God. And notice that at the end of each day, we're told that all of this design that God has done is good. Did you know that? It keeps on saying, it was good, it was good, it was good. What does that mean? Well, what we're being told is, is that the way that God has designed this world, the way he's set it up, is the way that he wants it to be. It is good. God is a line drawer. He hasn't just randomly thrown together the world, but he has carefully designed the world in an ordered way, for a partic- in a particular way, for a particular purpose. Um, I've got a mate uh, back in Sydney uh, who's a minister like me, um, and he's a minister in a very progressive, trendy uh, part of Sydney. And uh, there was a preschool that was connected to the church, uh, but it wasn't run by the church, it was j- just run by other people. Uh, But he wanted to give a gift to the kids uh, in the preschool for Christmas. And so he went out and he got a Christmas colouring in book. He bought one for each of the kids and he brought it to the preschool. And he he went to the lady who ran and he said, can I give these these gifts out? And she said, I'm sorry, we're not not allowed to give these books out. And he was a little upset and he thought, oh, I guess because it's about Christmas maybe or something like that. And and, and he asked, well, well, what's the problem? And she said, well, in our preschool, we don't allow colouring in books. And just kind of taken aback and said, well, well, why? Why? What's wrong with colouring in books? Well, we find that colouring in books are actually very restrictive. They force the kid uh, to do the drawing that the book wants them to draw. And we want them to have the creativity to just kind of do whatever they want. Now, I just thought that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. But when you think about it, I think that's a bit of an allegory for our world's attitude to God's creation. He said, we don't like God drawing the lines in our world. We like to think that whatever God has given us in this world is for us to do whatever we want with. And so we ignore the way that God has ordered his creation. We ignore the lines that he's drawn. And really what we want is just a blank piece of paper where we can do whatever we want with God's creation. And so whether it is to do with gender or sex or family or work or the environment... We, we take God's creation, ignore the way he set it up, and just choose to do whatever we want with it. 
Maya Forstater uh, was a visiting fellow at the Centre for Global Development here in the UK. And uh, recently she was fired because of her views on gender that she tweeted. Uh, she said that it was unfair for a trans woman to compete in women's sport. Uh, and she was fired for this. And just late last year she lost her legal battle uh, as well in this. Now, I find that remarkable, that, that, that she was fired not, not for really being rude or, or abusing anyone or, or being bigoted, simply for stating what I think is one of the most obvious lines that God has drawn in his creation, that a, a woman is a woman. Now, regardless of how you feel about this, I hope you see that this is actually the natural uh, end that we reach when we reject God as line drawer. See, when we say, actually, God doesn't get to determine how this world should be ordered, well, who does? It's really just up to whatever the whims of the cultural elite are today. And so we'll end up in this endless cycle of redefinition, redrawing the lines to suit whatever we want. I think it's funny that um, one of the ways that adults try to relax and de-stress these days is with colouring in books. <laughs> Have you noticed this? Now, why is that? I imagine that a world of blank paper where you have to work everything out from scratch for yourself is actually a very stressful world, a very anxiety-provoking world, an exhausting world. And in a world like that, you just want to come home at the end of the day to a colouring-in book where the lines are already drawn and I can just scribble in in between the lines and make something beautiful. But friends, that's actually what God has given us in his creation. See, in his creation, he's given us the lines, the, the order of creation, the way things are meant to be and the purpose for each thing. And our role is to enjoy filling in between the lines with colour. That is, living our lives out according to God's good purposes. And so often we reject the lines and draw our own well, very quickly, God is Lord, God is line drawer, finally, God is life giver. And this seems almost so obvious it's not worth mentioning, but that is what we see in this chapter, isn't it? That all life comes from God. Every living thing here is from God, which means that God is the source of all life. We could even get a bit more specific and say that all life comes through God's word, because God speaks his world into, his creation into being. All life comes through his word. We could even say further that all of life comes through God's word by the power of his spirit because the spirit of God hovers over the water. And so we see as we look at the front of the box here that where does life come from? If I want life, where do I need to go? Well, I need to go to God. He is the source of all life. It is through his word and by his spirit that I will find life. But, of course, we don't see this. Um, my wife really likes getting flowers, and uh, I really don't like buying flowers. I find flowers to be such a silly thing. You can see how lucky my wife is. I just find them so frustrating because they seem like such a waste of money. Right? You buy the flowers... And they look nice, they smell great, but then just after a couple of days, you know, leaves start falling off, they begin to wilt, the water looks gross, and eventually they die. And if you're anything like us, you leave them in the house for about a week too long, and then the whole house starts to smell, and finally you tip the water out and you chuck it in the bin. I mean, what is the point? But 
you know, every now and then I just swallow my pride and I buy some flowers. I think that we can be a lot like flowers. Because think about it, why do flowers die? Flowers die because they are cut off from their life source, aren't they? Whenever you put some flowers in a vase, you're actually holding something that is already dead. It's been cut. It's been cut off from what gives it its life. And no matter what you do, eventually it's going to die. Well, when you think about it, and you look at our world today, we have all rejected God. We've said to God, I don't want to live your way. I want to live my own way instead. We've taken the crown of God's hair. We've put it on our own. What have we done? We've cut ourselves off from our life source. And just like flowers, you know, if you're young, maybe you look very nice right now. You might smell amazing. But pretty soon you're going to start to wilt. Pretty soon you're going to start to, to, to hunch over. You might even start to smell. And one day we all will die. Why? Because we've been cut off from our life source. When we reject God, we reject life. And Genesis 1 is that helpful picture on the front of the box that reminds us this is why we all die. Because God is the source of all life and we have turned from God. Well, what should we take away from all of this? C.S. Lewis uh, was the author of the Narnia series who became a Christian much later in life. Uh, And in another book, Uh, of his surprise by joy, he he talks about how he came to faith. And he tells this really nice story of when he first arrived in Oxford. Uh, He he said as a young guy, he he, he got out of the station at Oxford and he was really excited. He'd heard these stories, seen these pictures of the amazing spires and towers and he was really looking forward to seeing it. But as he got out of the station and started to walk, all he could see were these kind of boring houses and shops. And he thought, well, nothing ever looks good near a station. I'll just keep on going. I'm sure I'll see something impressive soon. So he keeps on walking, but he keeps on seeing just more and more disappointing houses and buildings and nothing really that exciting. Eventually, he kind of starts to hit, you know, countryside and he realises, oh, maybe I've gone the wrong way. And at that point, he stops and he turns around. And this is what he wrote. He said, there behind me, far away, never more beautiful since, was the fabled cluster of spires and towers. I had come out of the station on the wrong side and and been all this time walking into what was even then the mean and sprawling suburb of Botley. And uh, and Lewis, he, he describes this story as a bit of an allegory of his life. You see, his whole life... He had been walking away from God. And as he looks at the world, he sees what a terrible world it is that we live in. But then eventually, he stops, he turns back to God. And for the first time, he sees the way the world is meant to be. In another book, Lewis talks about the concept of progress. Uh, We all want progress, don't we? We live in a very progressive society and we all deeply desire to be progressive, to keep on going forward. And in such a progressive society, the idea of turning back to God and going to the Bible just seems not just archaic, it it almost seems wrong and evil that you would want to do such a thing. This is what Lewis says about progress. He says, Progress means getting nearer to the place you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turning, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road... Progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. 
And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. And Lewis writes this. I think if you look at the present state of the world, it is pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistakes. We are on the wrong road. And if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. Well, friends, Genesis chapter 1 gives us that picture of what things are meant to look like. And the wonderful message of the gospel is that Jesus has made a way back to God. Jesus has made a way back to our Lord where we can live under his rule again. Jesus has made a way back to his lines where we can learn what we're here for, what our purpose is, how we should live our lives. Jesus has made a way back to life, back into a relationship with the one who gives life so that we can enjoy life to the full and life eternal if we would turn back to God. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank and praise you for your wisdom in creation. We stand in awe of you as we look at this magnificent creation of yours. And yet, Father, we stand heartbroken as we see how sin has marred this world and as we sit under the curse of our sin, Lord. Father, we pray that you would awaken us to see the goodness of you and your purposes and your plans that we would turn back to you, that we would be saved as new creations, that we might live under your rule forever. In Jesus' name, amen.